Welcome to the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe, he is Sean, and this is episode 57 at a special time, 4.30 on a Wednesday. Sean, how the hell are you? It is light out. It's so <laughs> cool, because nowadays in the summer, it's starting to get dark at 8, which is something I'm complaining about, which I wouldn't complain about in the fall. But <laughs> it's great to see light. Oh. Let there be light, Sean. Let there be light. Oh, so much natural lighting in my place. I always forget. Yeah. So what has been going on with you? We haven't chatted in a few days. Life's been busy. What's new and exciting? Boy, with me, new and exciting? Um, oh, uh, coming up, I have to uh, put together a car um, for uh, my niece's birthday. Oh. My niece is one, and it's a cozy coup, or cozy coupe, depending on who thinks the pronunciation is uh, proper, but it's like the little uh, cars that are usually there. So right now all of the parts are outside in the living room that I keep on stepping on. So that's been the, uh, the high point of the week for me in terms of, Oh my God. Totally understand that with my uh, two uh, young babies in the family. They are, uh, they each have one of their vehicles and (laughs) those things are like really intense now. (laughs) I feel like when I was younger and like we're similar age, like, we had like those Yamaha ones or whatever that were just like giant slabs of plastic put on top of like a motor and they called it a day. And these are like, you got to make sure you put the Mercedes symbol, right? I, you know, I mean, for me, I never, um, I never got the ones that were like operated by the battery. I thought those were, you know, like, like those, those looked like the coolest things. And I was just old enough for those that I would like kind of steal like the uh, little kid from across the uh, street. And I would like, you know, just like, be like this is radical. And he never appreciated it like I did. So, yeah. What were you doing then? Like, did you have like gas operated ones? <laughs> were you like three years old dumping gas into your? I just had ones that like, you know, like I relied on pedals and stuff. Like, you know, just all <laughs> understood. This, you know, yeah. You know, just like, we're relying on technology of humanity. And I'm like, <laughs> Flintstoning oh, it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yes. Yes. Anyway, I'm, I'm giving um, my niece a Flintstones type car. Um, Perfect. Love it. Exactly. She's going to earn the ability to move. But also, it, it's it got eyes, which I don't like. Uh, yeah. I'd rather have the headlights. I don't think mine had eyes when I was growing up. Like, it, Interesting. It bother me. Yeah. I think Disney got to the uh, Cozy Coop uh, Fisher Price uh, people and put Shocker. eyes on the cars for Cars 4. Surprised they don't own them yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes. We have a lot to get to today. We're going to start off with a conversation around two of the new releases that we both watched. The first being Old. So I'll start off here. Uh, Old was a movie that I was looking forward to because I do enjoy M. Night Shyamalan movies. I think he gets a bad rap a lot of times for some of uh, what I consider to be his better movies. So, of course, The Sixth Sense is probably the top. um, But it's one of those movies that once the the twist is revealed, you can't really watch it again. or you can, and it's actually kind yeah. of interesting to see all the the hints that you may have missed. The other two that I really enjoy are The Village and Signs. Um, Village, I really think, is a smart movie. Signs, I just thought was a well-put-together movie. And I also, I think I mentioned this before, but I was looking at um, Delaware Valley College as a backup at the time, and that's where they filmed Signs. They had, like, <laughs> one of the houses on the... Uh, on the uh, campus that was for that. So I was always like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go where signs went and you know, whatever. Um, So old is an interesting film because it 
is very contained to mainly an island, or an island, a beach. Um, and we're focused on a few couples made, and a main family where the, the gist of it here, and this is going to get into some spoiler territory, but uh, for some reason, everyone on the island, or everyone, I keep saying island, like lost. I mean, it's basically um, an island, yeah. It's kind of an island, yeah. Um, everyone on the beach is aging rapidly, and we're talking about, like, you know, by the end of the day, they're old people if they were young, and... Um, People end up dying. We're they're trying to figure out what's going on, trying to figure out how to get away, um, and that is essentially it. We do get an explanation somewhat as to what's happening at the end in terms of why these people were uh, shown the beach and taken to the beach, um, and we can get into that a little bit. But my overall take on the film was I just really did not enjoy it. I thought that the uh, writing was very pedestrian. I thought that the uh, acting was leaving a little bit more to be desired. Um, and overall, it just did not hook me the way that some of his others did. But I know you had a different take on this. A little bit. I mean, I think we gave sort of the same level of grade. Um, but I really did desperately want to love this movie. And because uh, I almost gave it a C. I gave it a D. It just it, it didn't really deserve like the average rating. Um, but I felt like there was so many beautiful moments in this story-wise that just did not connect because I didn't really care too much about the characters. And this is all the problems with like Shyamalan's writing. And, you know, we could all go into his dialogue that is, that has always been really famously uh, bad. You called it pedestrian. I mean, I, I think it's the level of like going to the side of the sidewalk right on the curb and smashing <laughs> your head into it repeatedly. <laughs> it, it is, I don't think he knows how people talk. <laughs> like it was just the uh, it was the most difficult thing uh, to uh, have uh, happen. I think there's so many setups here though of great horror set pieces. Um and I really love how they tried to make them work together. Um one of their main issues was that they had way too many uh, <clears throat> way too many people on that island for far too yeah. long. And <laughs> So basically it turned into like, you know, the, the stakes were starting to get low. It's like, you got to start actually killing people because you know, they're like way too many. Um, there's these beautiful moments and especially this spoilerly as well. When, um, when she sings to her mom and her mom can't hear, I, I just think that is just such a beautiful moment, but there was nothing that there was no step ladder to that moment. It's like, wow, this is like gold right here. This is something I could love. Um, and it's just I, like, I have to jump in there because I totally agree with you. There are certain aspects of the film where you're like, this would be beautiful if there was build up and investment. And there absolutely was not. They were just like pieced in there uh, and you're expected to latch on to them and be, you know, empathetic. But ugh. <laughs> he did. So, and, you know, like I look, I look at M. Night because also, by the way, like you, you did uh, your sort of experience with M. Night. I, I love M. Night Shyamalan and I love yeah. him as what he is to Hollywood which is someone who has made The Sixth Sense and The Last Airbender. And that does not mean that there's <laughs> other like directors. Like, you know, Spielberg also made Schindler's List and 1941. So th they all they all have that. But for some reason, Shyamalan has built this culture around it where he got everybody's hopes up with, uh, you know, uh, The Sixth Sense. Um, then at, right after that, Unbreakable. Then Signs, where people started to get a little bit waffy, but I think Signs is great. Um, then The Village is the one where it started to turn. 
Go back and revisit Village. It's a great movie. Sure, there's some plot holes you could drive a dump truck through, but like they're, they're like it is just made so well that you don't even mind. And then it was pretty much right after that where it's just like Lady in the Water. Then he just starts stops putting his name on things. But then he has this resurgence with the visit, which people have started to hate again. But the visit comes up there, um, and then right after that is going to be Split. And then like Split is here, and it's like okay, some people think that's his best film. I Okay, cool. But I was don't... the visit the Mark Wahlberg one? No, that's the happening. That was that the was uh, close to the lowest. I think Airbender was the lowest for him. But happening was another one where it's like you know after a couple of disappointments, it's like the happening looks pretty crazy. Maybe it could go. Oh no, this is worse than all of them. This, like, this is wasn't this, it about this, trees or something? Yeah, with trees were killing. Well, the 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 air from the trees were killing people. I think. Um, okay. because he went, he went, he went, uh, for an environmental, uh, move on that one, which really <laughs> paid off <laughs> that one, uh, very well. Um, and yeah, so like, you know, he was just, and then he sort of went back to this mediocrity with glass. I personally like glass a lot. Um, I'm a few and far between on that one. Um, but, uh, then like, you know, from there, it's just, this is his next one, I believe. And so I was hoping this could be a continued upswing. And I still love some of this stuff. Like, you know, um, when Gail is, uh, he, he's blind and he's looking down the beach and he sees Rufus Sewell, like kind of spider walking and he can't exactly see him. There, there's fun there. There's some horror fun there, but it just does not. The Legos don't connect. But similar, and that's exactly right. Similar to your comment earlier, there was no build up to that scene of seeing like <laughs> the character doing that weird walk or crawl, and like it's just oh god, it was so. It, it seemed like there were a lot of ideas that were thrown in there that weren't fleshed out and didn't connect well enough. Um, but I, I like where it was going. The other thing is we didn't really have a big twist. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think was a letdown because a lot of times when you're watching his movies, you're like, okay, this is weird, but I know I'm going to get the payoff at some point and there's going to be a twist there that then we'll debate the twist. You don't really get that. You get an explanation for what's happening, uh, which you expected was going to happen all along um, in terms of getting an explanation. Um, But then that's kind of it. (laughs) Like you don't, we don't know why the beach exists. (laughs) Well, that, and that's the thing, like with, with uh, yeah, um, the twist was basically like, you know, they're running experiments and stuff like that. And you kind of got that when they're all just sitting yeah. there being like, hey, we're all sick. And so I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. I am not a smart moviegoer. I'm, I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> I fall for like every single twist. They're in every single one. I never pay attention to little things. So like the <laughs> fact that it was being laid on thick for me is a real problem. And if he was trying to make it a twist, I truly don't think he was because it was just that intensely laid on thick. But it's also so weird that he's not because that's mm-hmm. how, number one, it was sold in the marketing. And number two, 90% of his movies are about some something that you don't see that's happening. And this one didn't bury that enough. It, you kind of saw it coming from a mile away, again, when they were all ill <laughs> or all had something going on. <laughs> Do you want to uh, – like maybe he's someone that like wants to walk away from that. I mean it, it became his thing like I think around the happening where it's like that's – oh, it's the trees and stuff like that where it's just simply – always a twist, always a twist, always a twist. And so then he had to sort of rely on that. And so the twist just got worse and worse. And then people just made up like terrible twists that happened. And but I, I mean, I think... you had it. Sorry, I had to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. <laughs> you, you had a twist with the sixth sense. You had a twist with signs um, or, it, and maybe a twist isn't always the right way to put it, but it's something 
something more going on that you don't expect, something behind the scenes or another explanation. And there, that's here. I'm not saying it's not in this film, but it's not... It, number one, it's not buried well enough uh, to keep you guessing until the end. And number two, when you do get the explanation, it's kind of like it comes and goes with a whimper. Um, and there are so many endings, and it was Lord of the Rings style, baby. I mean, yeah. uh, of course, I went with uh, you know my buddy John, who's my horror movie buddy, and um, like we we actually there was a point where we got up like from our seats. <laughs> we see a helicopter. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> The never-ending movie, um, yeah. So that uh, interesting outing. I think we debate this every time that Shyamalan has a movie coming out, and the question is, where does he go from here? What's next? Um, because I mean, it was number one at the box office, but not a huge feat given the pandemic box office that we're dealing with. And we'll get into a little bit more discussion about this in a few minutes. Um, but I do wonder if we are going to see. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I. I never see him as a big budget person. Um, and if you see old, you totally understand that there's not a big budget. Uh, so I'm wondering if they continue to give him some rope to, you know, deliver these uh, uh, expectedly strange, unique tales when the vast majority of his aren't connecting with audiences. Well, while that, while like, you know, we, you know, understandably at times will mock him and a, a large majority of the film community will mock him. He's got fans. He's got yeah. like, he's got people that will like go, go to war for a uh, last airbender and after earth like that. Um, you know, I mean, we, and that's for any director. After earth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did like most people. Cause that's the only one he didn't put his name on like that. That's how you knew it was bad. It's like, he didn't put M night Shyamalan at the top. Other than that, he's like, on everything. Um, so that's when you was that with Smith and Jaden? Yes, the same. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, I forgot about that. But I think there's there's an interest. I think there's always an interest when an M. Night Shyamalan film comes out. I mean, I'm I saw old because it was M. Night Shyamalan. If it was um, you know, directed by like Christy Yamaguchi, I I would not have <laughs> run to the theater as fast i would have still like maybe like been like okay what else is playing maybe i'll check it out but if um if but because it's m night Shyamalan, it's like all right something's gonna go down here i'm really interested in how this goes i grew up with this director like i yeah. wanted and he's he's made me cry a lot not in a good way and so i want to i want to see what he can do next for me yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I've been hurt a few times now that I'm a little less willing to give him that opportunity, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's move on to the next movie we want to talk about. We both watched Joe Bell. This is Mark Wahlberg's most recent film, A Dramatic Turn from Him, uh, which is a pretty somber film. It is a, a film that first premiered during the Toronto International Film Festival last year uh, and has had sort of a tumultuous time since. It didn't get the best response um, and I believe it was reworked a little bit, but the summary of the film is that after his son, Jaden, uh, commits suicide after being continuously bullied for being gay, Joe Bell, who is played by Wahlberg, walks from Oregon to New York City to spread a message of anti-bullying in tribute to his late son. Um, I personally loved this movie. I had such a great time with it. That sounds, that's a weird way to put that. Yeah. I really enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I think that these are stories that need to be told. And this was a film that told the story very well. Uh, 
on the backs of Mark Wahlberg and Reed Miller, who both, I think, did a phenomenal job. Reed Miller as the late son, but when you see the film, you'll see that he's in it more than you expect. And then Mark Wahlberg, in a dramatic turn, was really impressive to me. I'm not a huge Mark Wahlberg fan, but I was very impressed with what he did with his character. Thinks it, I think it makes it more accessible of a film to have him in a role like this uh, or have an actor like him in, an, in a role like this. Um, and yeah, o- overall, I really enjoyed it. It has two great uh, supporting performances by Connie Britton, who I just, I love Connie mm-hmm. Britton, um, as well as Gary Sinise, who pops into the movie for like, you know, a good 10 minutes uh, near the end, but just has a really heartfelt, raw conversation with Mark Wahlberg's character. This is based on a true story. Um, it was written by the Brokeback Mountain writers, uh, and it is, it's a very moving film. Um, one thing that uh, I know we'll talk about because you and I texted about this a little bit is a lot of people are a little upset with some of the developments in the film. But once again, this is a film that is based on a true story. Uh, So, you know, we have to remember when we're being critics, when we're, you know, evaluating movies um, that not every film is uh, catered towards our wants and desires for a tight uh, bow of an ending (laughs) or, you know, anything satisfying, but um, no, I, this is a film that I think is really well done, accomplishes what it sets out to do. And is one that a lot of people should see. Joe was commenting on, uh, I texted him when I got out of the movie and said that ending fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's just you. I mean, I've seen it everywhere where they're like, it is, it I, some I, weird turns. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to address that. Um, and uh, in a moment, it's I, I still have the issues. I, I think I know how to solve that problem, but um, I just want to like talk about how I don't want to say dead wrong I was about this uh, movie, but I was one of the many that probably mocked it before even seeing it because it's about uh, Mark Wahlberg walking across the country talking about anti bullying, which is just like on its head already the funniest thing I can imagine. But I have to say. I give major props to Wahlberg on this one. This is, I think, I went through it. This is uh, his best performance, I think, um, I without a doubt. Um, I wish he just didn't even try his accent because his accent was great, but uh, that puppy came in and out. <laughs> that was a, uh, <laughs> that thing disappeared and I heard a uh, good old-fashioned Wahlberg. And I, I think that that's fine because he, um, he emitted the emotion properly. Um, and it was like really like just show the love of it. Um, the other one who I'm going to say it right. Cause I keep on saying Reed Scott because he's on veep yeah. and that's a very different way to go down. So Reed Miller, a very different actor too. <laughs> very different actor. Like, like it's a, the worst thing to confuse the two. So um, Reed Miller is um, got a, got a wow factor uh, to him in this movie. I mean, um, there's moments where he's just quietly contemplating um, and you see that and there's just a chill that goes down your spine um, and it's just like absolutely incredible amounts of emotion uh, throughout um, like authentic high schooler um, authentic of someone who's in pain it's just absolutely great um, I do love those two uh, supportive performances I you know, I know Connie Britton really well, and I actually had to look it up to see if it was Connie Britton. So well done on the chameleon to her. Um, Gary Sinise, love when the Sinise infection comes to town, baby. That's what <laughs> I'm talking about. Um, and uh, it's just really um, like it was it was it was the part that drove it home the best. Um, I will say um, we got to talk about trailers um, and twists, which it's wrong to say twist in this movie. It's very wrong to say twist in this movie, but. 
the movie was structured in a way where you uh, did not know that um, his son killed himself until about halfway. Now there's gigantic hints. So it's not, it's not meant to be anything there, but the movie kind of sort of tells you everything. Was that the worst thing in the world? And did it ruin the movie for me? Absolutely not. But it was something where I believe that those writing the movie and those creating the movie did not, did not want that to like be something that was presented at that moment. And so that part of it like sort of bothered me quite a bit. And, you know, I didn't, I did not grade that in the movie. That's, that's the trailer's yeah. fault. I'm blaming the trailer for that. Um, that's not the movie's fault at all. Um, See, go. can I comment on that real quick? I thought about that a lot because uh, you know, you're right. But two things, one is the synopsis for the film lays it out there. And two, the, it's a true story. So uh, there's a lot of people that when I mentioned Joe Bell, they're like, oh, and they kind of remember the story. Um, so I think that the film does something pretty interesting in not revealing or not showing the the time in which this uh, Jaden actually does um, unfortunately take his life in that it makes you think back to what you've already seen from Mark Wahlberg and the interactions that he's had. And it kind of sheds a different light on it and makes you think it, it puts you it puts the responsibility to process what's happening on you in the second half of the film, which was kind of interesting. Um, I do want to watch it again because I want to like try to pick up on some other things that I may have missed. But yeah, it's uh, I, I get where you're coming from with that. I mean, there's such a beauty in the vulnerability where he is like pretty much revealing it to the movie right next to a Dolly Parton drag queen with whom he said he like is a Dolly Parton fan. And I, I, I they're, like, we're, I'm sort of smiling at the comedy of that, but there's the vulnerability level of that that yeah. is sort of like just really well done um, that I do, that I think a lot of people would gloss over. Um, I uh, want to. I had a few other notes before I talk about how the ending was presented. I'm not talking about the ending. I'm talking about how the ending was presented because that might be the um, best way to talk about. It. I think that's actually going to be it. So what I liked about this, uh, the way this was ended. Um, was that we are sort of wondering, okay, why is he walking across uh, the country? And you're not given a specific that you're given like some general stuff. Oh, he's doing it for uh, his son. He's doing it for, uh, you know, bullying or acceptance and stuff like that. Um, but then you sort of get something at the very end and you get that, you know, he begins to realize that he wants to tell his family that he loves them. Most importantly, tell his son that he loves him, something he feels like he can't do. And so there's a moment at the end of this movie where he sort of like walks down, walks down the road, leaving a voicemail talking about how he loves him. And like, and it was the last moment he also uh, talked um, with, uh, I feel horrible that I can't remember the kid's name, Jaden, um, Jaden's name. And I thought I was like, that's the perfect way to end it. Now, here's the thing. If you do then the devastating title card of the true story that says, he was then unfortunately struck by a trucker and stuff like that. And, you know, you have those kind of things there, which you should do by right of this person's story. I understand that. But I think the, the, the story that is taking place in that movie works so much well with a fade to black on him walking down instead of the portion of the scenes where you see Sine uh, Gary Sinise discover him on the highway. Once again, though, you are like totally right in that this is a literal true story and I should not be saying like, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> just change that. But I feel like that's when you put the title card in, um, in my opinion, and you have the story go that way. 
See, but it's not telling the full story if they do that. And that's kind of, I think, part of what was so um, interesting about the character that Mark Wahlberg was portraying. It was as much as this film is about Jaden and him taking his life. It's also about Mark Wahlberg's journey in acceptance and understanding and forgiveness and um, that whole process. So I... I feel like you have to add that in. I will say that it kind of fades to black and then comes back up to Gary Sinise getting the phone yeah. call. And that was impactful. Um, I feel well, like it kind of like, what's up? That got me. Yeah. That, like that was very impactful. It makes you drop your guard and then you're like, Oh wait, what is this? Oh my God. What? <laughs> um, so uh, I'm with you. I, I'm not disregarding what you're saying. Cause I totally agree with you um, and understand that perspective. Uh, I just I do think it's a much better movie than people w uh, were giving it credit for ahead of time. And I do hope that people take the time to go see it uh, because it is a very well done movie. There are two parts of the movie that I just want to highlight. One is uh, when Jaden is uh, bullied by kids in the locker room and he is with his parents sitting in the principal's office mm -hmm. afterwards. And he makes a comment about you don't understand how much courage it took to even uh basically report this or ask for help. And then the people that are supposed to help or have the power to uh, can't be bothered to. And that was, that was a gut punch. And that was a really interesting moment, I think for anyone watching to think about like what our responsibility or what our power is, whether it's as a bystander or in official roles at work or whatever it may be to step forward and make an impact. Um, but the other one is, maybe halfway through the movie. I don't quite recall. Um, and it's in the trailer a little bit, but it's fleshed out more in the movie. Obviously there are uh, Mark Wahlberg's at a bar and uh, two guys walk in, see a pride parade on TV and say something about like, get those Queens off the TV, blah, 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 blah. Um, at this point, Jaden has already uh, died. And um, Mark Wahlberg's character walks up and places a card that explains sort of what he's doing on the table and then leaves. Jaden afterwards says to Mark Wahlberg, and this is all in Mark Wahlberg's head, um, that you need to, those are the types of people that you need to talk to and not the people that are already coming to hear you talk. And I think that that was also very interesting, but also telling of the challenges with this type of movie is that the people that are going to go out and see this movie are likely, aside from the Mark Wahlberg fans that may go see it, um, are people that are interested in the topic in seeing the story play out and understanding what happened. Um, but those who, you know, in turn, I'm talking in terms of LGBT, I don't know if they're going to be reached by this movie. And it's, you know, I think Mark Wahlberg cast in a role like this has the opportunity to really um, make some change or at least uh, instigate some conversation in people that may not otherwise look at the topic or think about the topic in the way that the film frames it. And I, I just worry with films like this, that they're not going to be seen by people that could really, uh, that they could really impact. I, I see this to push back on that a second, because I, I do see for a moment that possibly this feels like, you know, as a teacher, um, I see this being played in high schools. Um, I see this yeah. like being played in high schools. I see this getting like divvied up into nine parts on TikTok. Uh, TikTok, there we go. TikTok for certain scenes, and that just kind of spreading around in that fashion. 
Um, I see that it can get out there. Unfortunately, you know, nobody anymore, as we're going to find out later, nobody anymore buys a ticket to a movie theater and sits down in a movie <laughs> theater. Um, but, uh, like, it, it will get to them in a certain uh, development. Even if kids don't watch the entire movie in a, in a high school class, um, there's plenty of high school classes that will, you know, do certain um, <clears throat> scenes from it. And, uh, you know, like there'll be assignments from there and, you know, not assignments because assignments don't work, discussions from there and everything. And I think <laughs> there's like write an essay about this scene of a movie. Like, nope. <laughs> Your teacher is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sounded weird. Your inner <laughs> teacher is coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, yeah, go check out that movie. It was a very solid movie. Um, <clears throat> Really, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm just happy that it was. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on a little bit. Um, if we can, let's get through these a little bit quicker with what we've been watching. Definitely. Just two I'll touch on. Um, both are up. Uh, one came out already. Yeah, one came out already. The, no, that's a lie. Neither. Both Neither. come out this Friday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stillwater with Matt Damon uh, and Abigail Breslin, based on. Uh, the Amanda Knox real life situation overseas, but sort of a, a different interpretation and play on that. It's inspired by, I should say, um, takes the story in a different direction than one would expect, which ultimately is my biggest problem with the movie. Um, I will say it is, it's interesting. It's a good drama. Um, Matt Damon's performance is phenomenal. Uh, but I, I was a little let down by it. So we'll, we can talk more about that after it comes out. And, um, after more people have seen it, the other one is jungle cruise. Jungle cruise was a whole lot of fun. Uh, the rock and Emily blunt have off the charts. Um, uh, well, Jesus, I just lost my, uh, my vocabulary in my head. <laughs> so so um, blown away by the rock and Emily. Yeah, <laughs> just, they're just, you know, incredible together. Um, chemistry is the word I was looking for. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. They, I will, I will say a couple things about it. One is that this is the Mummy meets Raiders of the Lost Ark meets Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, you get the feel of all three movies within this. It is just as Pirates of the Caribbean was in terms of taking a ride and putting some mythology around it um, and doing so pretty well. I was, I was impressed with it. I do see this as the start of a potential franchise. I think that the chemistry is incredible between these two. I think that they could go a similar route with, you know, an Indiana Jones type of direction in terms of um, Emily Blunt as sort of the Indiana Jones character. Uh, it, it was, she was just really good at it. It was a lot of fun. Definitely check that movie out. One positive, uh, I was worried about putting this out there, but then saw that another website that we both read um, <laughs> had it up there as the headline, so I'm ready to talk about it. Disney finally broke through the, you know, we're going to put a gay character in the background thing. Um, one of the characters does come out as gay in the movie, is handled very well. I thought it was very well done. I did talk to other critics at another screening last night that were saying, oh, I don't know. It seemed like it was just thrown in there, and it was kind of awkward how it was done. And I made the point of saying, like, I didn't think that, but even if it was, um, props to Disney for even going that direction. I'm very happy they did. Again, I think that having The Rock in the conversation within the movie, you'll when you see it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, I think that makes a difference. Uh, and I'm all about that visibility and sharing all that. So um, really, really enjoyed it. I mean, the, the visual effects leave more to be desired. Um, it is a very visual effects CGI heavy movie. 
Uh, but it uh, it's a lot of fun. Disney does what Disney does well. Uh, so definitely check that out when it comes out on Friday. I think it's going to do really well. I think that would be the, what you the leader in the box office, I bet, if we were doing your box office stuff like Jungle Cruise. Probably. Just, Probably. Um, I don't think I had as much fun. Um, I'm going <laughs> to get Snake Eyes out of the way first. Uh, I mean, you know, I didn't really expect too much from this one as I like found out that it existed a couple of weeks ago. Um, that can't <laughs> be a good sign. Um, I'm really I'm, – I'm pretty much just here for Henry Golding. Um, and when he disappoints me, it's like, okay, so now we got all the certain problems. Um, his American accent, uh, like, you know, showed up with the American accent and then uh, he had this really cool, like, you know, super move where he went into like a, a British accent and then he went back into an American accent and it was like this like cool move he did. And, um, but, uh, he, his accent consistency sucked. Apparently that was the theme of me watching movies. Um, but uh, it was th- there was no basis in this with the uh, people involved, like like the the uh, land they had to protect or the temple they had to protect. I didn't care about the characters that were protecting it. I didn't care about. Um, I was just like, is this is this how you're starting this? Samara Weaving is in 13 seconds of this movie, and she's pretty really? awesome. Yeah, dude, I, she's opening up the American part of the GI Joe, even though he's got a goddamn American accent. <laughs> just, just make him British. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, and she she's great. So I'll keep watching this franchise if she's in one of the other ones in the. Uh, I, I don't know anything about GI Joe either. So that was the other part. Like he's supposed to be bad Snake Eyes, right? He's uh, kind yeah, okay. of. I don't know. Um, <laughs> how was the third act? <laughs> see actually you know in this situation comparatively they were all bad so it was kind of like well, while i'm watching the third act i'm like well this ain't no like you know bed of cookies but you know, <laughs> the rest of it's pretty rough uh for your pleasure i did forget to mention i can't wait to hear your reaction to paul giamatti's uh accent in jungle cruise <laughs> he's got an accent <laughs> yeah yeah he certainly has an accent <laughs> I'm gonna do it because he already has an accent. All right. Um, I what I did watch, which I really did love, uh, was the documentary Val. Um, this is a, a documentary that is uh, based on a ton of found footage from Val Kilmer, uh, from when he literally, well, actually, from when he was a little kid, but like from uh, when he literally started acting at Juilliard, um, all the way up to basically now. Um, what I didn't know about Val Kilmer is uh, he had throat cancer and he yeah. can't talk anymore except for through a, a tube, which uh, like. It's just heartbreaking. And uh, they go into that a little bit, but what they do the most in this, the one thing I could say about this one is that, you know, cause I'm not a like Val Kilmer head or Val Kilmer stand or whatever. I just think like, Oh yeah, he's been in good movies. I like him, whatever. Um, they show how he, you know, in order to be a great actor, you gotta like be a celebrity and you gotta be an icon and you have to do like all these iconic roles. But then once you do those, you use any sort of creative liberty whatsoever. And then you are never really there and your characters become bigger than the art you wanna make or bigger than you and therefore bigger than the art you wanna make. It was kind of wonderful to sort of see that. It's not a not a new theme. I've, I've definitely heard that before. I've seen that before. But it was really cool to see like Val Kilmer doing that. And the guy's very funny. He's such a goofball. Um, even now, even though like he has a reason to be miserable, he's not. But uh, you know, it's a the beautiful doc. I need to check that out. I heard that it's his son that's doing the voiceover and everything. Oh, that was so beautiful, like that he had his son read the narration and everything. And uh, that and, was like, and he just- sounds like him, right? Pretty much, I'm, I'm, I, I, like when he starts, he does, and then by the, like, you know, like 
around like the middle, I was just like, oh, it's a sun talking. But um, you, you, you kind of, it, it works out nice enough. Yeah. Hey everyone, it's Sean from Math Teacher Movies, and I'm here to talk about my weekly column at GuyAtTheMovies.com, Awards Watch with Math Teacher Movies. Each week I go deep into a topic about the Oscars or Emmys, whether it be from the past, present, or future. Read these columns every Monday on GuyAtTheMovies.com to know way too much about awards. The following column has not yet won any awards, nor will it help you win any awards, but this has not stopped it from still being a totally awesome column. All right, let's move into the news of the week. We have a bit of news to touch on. Let's start off with a surprising development today. Uh, is that Rotten Tomatoes has shared the to, uh, what is it? The to, tomato meter, tomometer. <laughs> oh, please tell <laughs> me you're going to focus on the actual pronunciation of that bullshit. <laughs> tomato meter, tomato um, anyway, uh, the scoring for uh, Suicide Squad came out on Rotten Tomatoes this afternoon, and surprisingly, it is at 100. percent That does, uh, which is <laughs> wild to me. And before people like you, Sean, shrug off, uh, well, that means nothing to me. That's with over 40 reviews, which is pretty solid. In the past, there have been uh, a number of films where, like, they've been posted online of saying people or the films themselves or the studios or PR firms have said like, it's at 85% and you go on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like three reviews. Um, but this is 43 reviews and this is similar to, or I guess in line with what I've been hearing from some of our friends that have seen it already. Um, I want to read some of the quotes that they have collected on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the most fun and least depressing superhero movie in a very long time. Uh, <laughs> How is James Gunn, one of the only people that actually seems to know how to make a comic book movie, feel like it was built out of a comic book? Um, the best DCEU movie yet. It most directly shakes off the baggage of the DCEU, especially considering that it shares a title and a team with one of its most maligned entries. Um, here's the edgy, sardonic adventure filled with witty characters and eclectic needle drops that the first squad was supposed to be. And finally, um, it makes... Deadpool look kind of sweet. Um, this is just exciting. I threw it in here as sort of an FYI that this is what this film is getting. Um, I'm excited. I'm seeing it next Tuesday. I'm very excited. It comes out a week from Friday, August 6th uh, on uh, HBO Max as well as in theaters. But does this do anything to change your interest level for it, uh, up or down? I mean, I think my interest level was I'm seeing this movie without a doubt. Right. Um, it Does it do anything for my perception? I mean... It doesn't. And this is wise, because if it was more negative, that's what would have shocked me. If like it's if it came out as like 43 percent, I'd be like, oh, something's up. What's going on there? But like a 100 percent Suicide Squad James Gunn movie is like just like that's par for the course. That's normal. That should be happening. I'm happy for it. Don't get me wrong. But like <laughs> like if it doesn't really like there's no huge excitement from that. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. Oh god! I yeah. think reading some of the background stuff where James Gunn was given sort of like the keys of the kingdom with these characters and they were like, pick whatever characters you want to include, kill whoever you want. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, 
And just seeing what James Gunn did with the first Guardians of the Galaxy, I do think this will be a lot of fun. So I'm excited to see it. It's nice that we're about to get another another big superhero blockbuster hot on the heels of Black Widow. So that'll be fun to see. In terms of blockbusters that we've gotten recently, though, last weekend was a big weekend for movies to be released, um, especially when it comes to Old and Snake Eyes. Um, both of them did not open very well. Old opened with 16.5 million and Snake Eyes opened with 13.35 million. The question is, uh, why was the box office so low this past weekend? There have been a lot of theories that were thrown out there. One is that the Olympics are going on right now, which I don't think anyone really cares about. I mean, uh, and that's not to shit on the Olympics and take away from the people that are there, but no, these Olympics should not be happening right now. <laughs> shit on them, baby. <laughs> <laughs> they should not be happening. Uh, Tokyo itself doesn't want to be doing them right now, but they would be fined by the IOC so quickly and so heftily. Uh, that they sort of had to go through it. The other question was the rising uh, fears and concern around the Delta variant of COVID-19. I think that this could play into it a little bit more. Um, I do think that people are starting to be a little bit more wary. I have seen more mask wearing as I've gone out in the past week or so, um, which I'm happy to see because I've continued to wear my mask. Uh, but one of the other things to remember here is that both of these movies did not receive great cinema scores um, and do not have a lot of great word of mouth, as uh, Sean and I discussed with Old and as Sean discussed with Snake Eyes. Uh, cinema scores of C plus for Old and B minus for Snake Eyes. So a lot of questions about why the box office was sort of crappy here. One of the other things that I'll just bring up real quick, Sean, before getting your take on this is... I think we also have to remember that this was a week that we did have a significant number of releases. While these two were the blockbusters, um, we also had, as we talked about, Joe Bell. Um, and then we also had um, Netflix with the last letter from your lover. Um, I was about to say we also had Hotel Transylvania, Transformania, but that got pushed back, I think. <laughs> um, and apparently apparently, I didn't get that memo. So that's that's happening. Um, but what do you think about this? Was I mean, it was a disappointing weekend, but what do you take as uh, the reasoning for it? And just also to share, both of these movies were not available on streaming. They were yeah. both theatrical releases only. And the other piece of it is that Space Jam 2 saw a significant drop uh, and Black Widow saw a drop, although not a huge, uh, not a massive drop, um, but did see a drop. Yeah, this is tricky about why this is happening. Um, I mean, all of your uh, theories are uh, quite correct. I mean, mediocre films, like people aren't going to pack in to see an M. Night Shyamalan movie. They're just not going to pack in. So that that's not going to be working as much. When In terms of Snake Eyes, that's one to get the kids involved in because the G.I. Joe dolls will have the Snake Eye doll and stuff like that. Or, excuse me, action figure. Um, <laughs> but like truly i wasn't kidding when i said i heard about this film three or four weeks ago i truly did the trailer came out i think two or three weeks ago we uh, i was about to say we do this for a living we literally don't we do this for a living though <laughs> and i don't remember us talking about a henry goulding snake eyes unless it was like made like eight years ago which i don't know if i had said it here but i had tweeted it out for sure a while back i was like snake eyes comes out in less than a month and we have yet to see a trailer for it <laughs> so i mean between those two which were the big guys um you know unfortunately something like we talked about joe bell 
be, uh, in a non-pandemic time or whatever would be happening would be one that would like you know collect a sizable amount as a third place or something like that but would not be uh as huge um it's just yeah this was not like there were no, no large projects here um or notable projects here um I, I don't I, I I have not met anyone that's watching the Olympics, so I don't know if that could be a, a part of it. Uh, the Delta variant could be the case. It could be that we're getting a little bit nervous about that, but it seems like people are still in this complacent state. And I think in a couple of weeks, unfortunately, that's going to go away. But we're still in a bit of a complacent state where people are still going uh, to the movie theaters. Um, my idea of the, of this of this wow. My idea of this is. Um, <laughs> This or that. <laughs> this or that. Um, this is the part of the summer where people are going to start going on their vacations. Yeah. And this is going to be where the Cape houses start going for a week, and then we're going for a week, and then we're going for a week. This is the moment where this is why August, like no movies come out in August. Like that's exactly why is because of that same problem. Um, and uh, because the, uh, these are the vacation weeks that happen. So I think that might be the beginning of that. Um, and that is all I can think of there until I also think of just, it's a pandemic where people have been watching movies at home. Granted, these were not home releases at all, but people are watching other movies at home. They're like, let's just do that instead of go to the theater. Why do we bother going to the theater right now? We, we lived without the theater for 18 months. And also we never went before that anyway, because people stopped going to the theater all the time. This is where I get my gloom and doom about the theater, which is, you know, just always gets rough for me. Um, but that's what it might be. I mean, I'm like, let's watch what Suicide Squad does. Truly. Like, that's going to be I was very going to say that. Like that will be the most interesting thing because you know you know hey everyone said Man, the height sucked because of the low volume of things they won't say that about Suicide Squad they won't say it about it they'll be like God ah, it was because of the uh, <laughs> what is that voice <laughs> I don't that's my that's my uh, I don't want to say comic book bro because then that gets derivative but like, it's just like In the Heights was terrible because of uh, musicals. <laughs> Last night, someone said they didn't like In the Heights, and I was like, excuse you. Let's have a conversation <laughs> while we're sitting here waiting for the Green Knight. <laughs> did you but, Oh, did you manage to um, sway him? Uh, we didn't really get into a debate about it. <laughs> so you didn't manage he had really to... Good po- he, he said that he didn't like... Ha- he's an older guy, and he said he didn't like Hamilton, um, and he knew he wasn't going to like In the Heights. He actually didn't re- review it, because he was like, I know I'm coming from it from a jaded place with it. Um, and I was like, well, that's good awareness. I wish a lot of other people, including myself would have that from time to time. Can we um, have a, can we have him on the show and have a debate about it and call it in the green nights? So Leslie Grace has been cast as Batgirl a week after we discussed with Chris from Filmstock uh, the number of individuals that were actually screen testing for it. Um, as a reminder, this is the film that will be going to HBO Max and the Bad Boys for Life directors Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falal will be directing it from a script written by Christina Hodson. Um, I am pumped about this Leslie Grace uh, casting. I think she'll be really good in it. She's already been getting a lot of shit for her hair, which is really frustrating. Um, she is a person of color, and uh, you know it's uh, it's unfortunately typical of the comic book fandom. <laughs> she can change male. it. <laughs> she can change the hair, man. It's ridiculous. It's gonna be it's fine. Just, and also, like, it's okay if your comic book drawn character uh translates to the screen with a different hairstyle so you know 
F off. Um, but anyway, we have Leslie Grace who played Nina in In the Heights taking over this role. My question for you, because we talked about her uh, potential casting last week quite a bit. Uh, overall thoughts on her being cast, but then what do you think we're going to get from this uh, Batgirl movie? Are we going to get the typical darker DCEU? Uh, are we going to get a lighter, fun movie? Remember two things. One is that we have the Bad Boys for Life directors involved. That could go either way for me. Uh, but the other is that, you know, comic book characters in general all sort of uh, at one time or another have both fun storylines or more, you know, upbeat storylines and darker storylines. So I just wanted to get your thought on where you think this could be going when it hits HBO Max, presumably in the next couple of years. I mean, yeah, we have uh, those directors for Bad Boys for Life. We have a writer um, that is uh, from uh, um, Birds, Birds of Prey. Of Prey. And so right off the bat, we have, like, that's a very interesting dichotomy because comedy, drama, action kind of deal. Definitely sort of a comedy action kind of deal. We have Leslie Grace, who was in in The Heights, which, like, you know, once again, there's a, a peppy, lovely moment there. But it's also can have some dark undertones there. Um, I think seeing her in this, I see sort of more of a lighter, peppy, uh, you know, way just her voice alone i was that. just thinking that stop yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> like i mean and yet i think i mentioned this in the last podcast she had in 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 the heights she has <laughs> those uh same uh you know these conflicts and uh you know i think anyone with a bat in front of them in dc also has conflicts and you know there's there, there's some sort of issue she may have to quander and stuff. And I think that you balance that pretty well. She balanced it pretty well in, in the Heights. So I think you have that can't be with, you know, the occasional um, villain that uh, provides something that could uh, go uh, pretty rough. Um, this is, a, this is her second role, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yep. Like, that, that, like let's, let's do that more because I think that's just like really great. Like uh, someone, you know, who's relatively unknown. Um, her yeah. first role was in In the Heights, which is crazy. Um, but I, 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 I like this. I, when we did the list last uh, podcast, it, you know, it was it was one that made a lot of sense. And then I added yeah. like twelve more that I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> you? That's so weird. You have a list? That's crazy. I have no idea. I'm right there with you. I think this is a um, an exciting casting. I do think hopefully it is a little more upbeat. Um, but I do love deep character breakdowns as well. So go for it, DC. One hope that I have is that they don't treat this as a side project and it is incorporated into the larger DCEU. Um, I'm sure it sounds like it will be. Um, it, uh, I just think back to, and I know we're past these days, but like Catwoman days and stuff like that when we had just these standalone, we're like, oh yeah, we're finally going to have a female fronted superhero movie. And it was just a side debacle they Uh they just didn't even read a comic book and this is coming from a guy that's never read a comic book and even i was just like none of that seems right (laughs) yeah you're like i don't know about this halle berry what are you doing Um, (laughs) so uh i'm excited for it i i actually am the more that i talk about this the more intrigued i am about the directors uh, and I think that uh, just like with any film, right, the directors are going to uh, either guide this to uh, success or destruction. Um, but I do think that there is a good opportunity here because what they did with the property of Bad Boys um, and how they were able to make it relevant and deliver a solid movie um, with comedy, with drama. I, I'm excited to see what they do with this. Also interested to see 
who they cast alongside uh, Leslie Grace. I don't want them to go another Birds of Prey uh, direction where they have they feel like they have to put a team around Harley. I want to see her carry this film um, and really stand on her own. So we'll see if we get you know serious villains or what it looks like there, but. For those listening, Joe was nice enough to uh, put a few articles for reference so I could understand <laughs> Batgirl, and I didn't read any of them. <laughs> what? Just, Come on. I'm winging it, baby. Look at me. I knew a bunch of stuff. I knew that Bat, Batgirl would have conflict. Huh? Huh? Oh, shocker. A comic character with conflict. I mean, I, I also, like, you know, storytelling 101, a character with conflict. But yeah. No, I, <laughs> They're like, hey, watch this film about someone who has no problems whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hi, all you big brother addicts. This is Liz from Pop Goes the Movie, and I'm here to tell you about my recaps of our favorite and most addictive show, Big Brother. But first, in order to read my bi-weekly recaps, you need to head on over to GuyAtTheMovies.com. In my recaps, I'm not only discussing what happened previously on Big Brother during the CBS show, but also what's going on in the live feeds from inside the Big Brother house. Who won HOH and the veto, and will it keep the house guests safe from going home? Be sure to check out my recaps after Sunday's show and Thursday's live show to find out. This is Liz from outside the Big Brother house wishing all of you happiness and joy. We are getting a Paranormal Activity reboot. Um, something that I am actually excited about only because I love all the Paranormal Activity movies and I feel like these fall into the same category as uh, Saw movies with me, meaning that they, they can be really crappy movies, but I still have a fun time. Um, honestly, some what was it? The, the spinoff of Paranormal, paranormal Activity uh that they came out with i really enjoyed and i was surprised by that so i'm excited to see where they go but the story that we're talking about this week is that we found out that the paranormal activity uh reboot has already been shot um which surprise uh and jason blum when talking about this recently to collider uh, described this as a reboot because he thought the series was tired and he told the writers and everything that they needed to find a way to uh, reinvigorate it because the people that had followed the series from the beginning um, are no longer the ones that they are marketing towards and the people that will go see it today were toddlers when the first one came out. So <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um, Underwater's Will Eubank, who directed Underwater, he'll be... Uh, he directed this film, and it's from Happy Death Day's Christopher Landon, which I think is a good sign. Um, the other big news here is that it's expected to hit at some point this year. I would be uh, willing to bet October <laughs> at some point. Um, but yeah, paranormal activity here. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. Paranormal activity. <laughs> that was even better. <laughs> yeah. Your thoughts. Um, I love the idea that they already shot this, um, but I, I'm just imagining that they just like kind of like snuck into a house and filmed a couple that was sleeping and then just kept on shutting doors and shit. <laughs> <laughs> just like he's holding up a reel. He's like, we got our film, <laughs> which I think is illegal. Um, but like then they'll go watch the movie and they'll just be like, son of a bitch. But we didn't get paid. <laughs> couldn't get a stitch. Um, I 
uh, you know, I'm I'm on the fence about this. I've actually never seen a paranormal activity movie, not out of protest or anything. Just uh, I'm always a scaredy uh, pants. And um, I guess you know if they're if they've got a shot, like and they're ready to go, like let it boogie. I just this is one of those every podcast. There's one of these that we have where I'm like, we definitely talked about this a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months yeah. ago. I'm yeah. certain we talked about paranormal activity and there was some sort of reboot happening somewhere. Like there had to have been. But yeah, we, we talked about this. Uh, there wasn't much behind it. I think what's fascinating with these, and we talk about this with horror a lot, is that some some films in the horror genre are cheaper to film. These movies are made for dirt cheap, and they make a ton of money at the box office. So that's why they keep pu- pumping these out. Saw is another one. I mean, especially when they had the Saw movies that didn't have stars like Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson in them. Um, they were, you know, cheaper movies to make. So especially this, where you're talking about expectedly, uh, or at least I expect it to be a film similar to the others where it's, you know, in a home or whatnot, scary shit's happening. Doors are slamming, windows are popping up, um, popping open, blowing out all that stuff. Hmm. Um, I, I, small cast, all that stuff. It's probably really easy to film, really quick to film and really cheap to film. So it doesn't surprise me that it's done already. Um, But I don't know how you reboot a found footage film like this or found footage series to reboot it. I would think you have to go away from the original core story, which dealt with um, characters that kept popping up throughout the series in some fashion or another. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we're in the age of horror reboots as we'll talk about in a second. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it, yeah, we'll talk about it in a second because I was about to bring up a point, but I'm going to wait until the next <laughs> bit because I got, you know, I got, I got a real, I got a real steamer brewing. <laughs> okay. Steamer, huh? <laughs> if you have to poop, you can go right now. Um, and I do got to poop. <laughs> shocker. All right. So we've been hearing for a while now that uh, another Exorcist film has been in the works. Uh, and now we know a bit more about what to expect per deadline. We're getting a three-film franchise continuation with original star Ellen Burstyn reprising her role. Interesting thing about this deal is that it's north of $400 million. The first film will be directed by Halloween's David Gordon Green uh, and will hit theaters uh, uh, tentatively October 13th, 2023. The other two are currently expected to hit Peacock. I don't know that that's set in stone at all they're probably waiting to see how the first one performs if they perform if it performs well we'll see the others hit theaters as well uh most likely uh linda blair has said that she has not been contacted yet uh to reprise her role but we do know that leslie odom jr will be uh joining the character the cast uh, or at least joining this film as the father of a possessed child who seeks out the aid of burston's exorcist character mother of the possessed reagan mcneil who was played by the aforementioned linda blair so th- just to recap, $400 million deal, uh, three films, first one with Ellen Burstyn and Leslie Odom Jr. going to theaters in 2023, two more planned, likely to hit Peacock, probably will go to theaters if the first one does well. They are uh, The one part I did not mention is that these are direct sequels. I have zero interest in this story. <laughs> I do not want to see these movies. I will see these movies. I do not want to see these movies. Um, it is... I don't, I don't know. I like, and Leslie Odom Jr. Interesting casting. I don't know. He was in music. Um, Sean, your thoughts. <laughs> the, the Ellen Burstyn is the only part that sounds good. 
to me. Like that actually sounds like a very cool like idea of like shooting back to her or something like that, like bringing something there. Everything else about this sounds like just the dumbest thing in the world. And look, my main, so many issues I have with this, but this is the issue I have with the paranormal activity as well, um, is when the exorcist came out, the real draw to that, the real scary part of that was the devil. People were actually scared of the devil in the 70s. It's a little bit different now. But like, well, for, 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 but now um, we're all like, take us. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, we've seen you a lot. Please stop hanging out in our living room. You were president. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, it is. It is just one of those things where, you know, I think like I remember people genuinely thought that the devil was within the film of The Exorcist. And, you know, kudos to that film for being that scary. But that was their original idea. Like, you know, the uh, studio had just said, like, you know what? Devil. And now they've been doing that ever since. And it doesn't exactly have the same like gusto. And so the same thing with the paranormal activity. It's like, oh, well, how, do, how do you reboot that? How do you boot it to the side? It's like, you know. The devil's in another house <laughs> like, or like there's a, you know, it's just, it's actually just a guy kicking around furniture. I don't know what you do, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where that's, you know, it's lost its luster just because of that. And um, ugh, yeah, I, I, I wish they could just try some other stuff. Um, I get it. The devil's popular, scary, red horns, go for it and stuff like that. But it, it doesn't, it doesn't fit if that's all you're riding it on. And it seems like that's all they're riding it on. Especially because I think the Conjuring movies have really taken up that mantle mm-hmm. and have kind of done the more, you know, the, they've been the modern telling of devil, devilish possession or demon, demonic possession and stuff like that. So I don't know where they're going to go with this. It's interesting that Linda Blair hasn't been contacted at all. She, um, she is pissed at those, but she was just like, you know, my back still hurts. You basically destroyed <laughs> yeah. my career and body. So you right. guys can all go yeah. fuck yourselves. <laughs> was never able to be cast in something else. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, I, I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Uh, it's, it's a huge deal. Um, and to come out of the gate saying three movies uh, is going to be, I mean, that's putting a lot of pressure on the first one. I do think that having the Halloween director, the one who kind of rebooted Halloween is a positive thing, but lightning doesn't always strike twice uh, when it comes to cinema. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. All right. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Is that David Gordon Green? I must have it is. That is okay. Well, that. That's something then, but still, yeah, no new ideas. I'm not happy with it, but it's David Gordon Green. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of directors, our final story today has to do with director Andrew Levitas, uh, who has, I think it was last year or the year before, filmed the movie Minamata, which was going to start or does start Johnny Depp. Um, The film focuses on the neglect of the Chiso Corporation displayed in the Japanese coastal city where locals were ravaged by mercury poisoning from chemicals dumped into the waters by a factory, which spread to the local population through the ingestion of fish back. uh, The exposure happened back in the 1950s, or at least that this happened uh, was exposed back in the 1950s. This is a summary from Deadline. Basically, this film fell from the face of the earth. There was, I remember writing a story for GuyTheMovies.com plug uh, back in the day and was excited for it because this is the type of story I like to see. Um, I like real life stories that kind of talk about, especially ones that happened in the past. Um, You kind of see how they were still dealing with the same type of stuff today. Uh, And Johnny Depp, I think, would be great in this role. 
basically, after it was acquired by MGM last fall, it sort of disappeared. It was supposed to come out in February, but uh, just like a lot of other movies that, Sean, we've talked about offline, um, it didn't really... That date came and went, and the film never came out. So we're all very confused by that. Um, What also has happened in that time is that uh, Johnny Depp lost a British tabloid, uh, a libel case against the British tabloid, The Sun, um, which was had published accusations of uh, physical and verbal abuse from Amber Heard towards Amber Heard um, from Amber Heard were the accusations towards Amber Heard was the abuse just to clarify. Um, and that has had resulted in um, Depp sort of being blacklisted a little bit. He was replaced in the Harry Potter spinoff series, Fantastic Beasts. He was Grindelwald in the first two films. Um, and he's been replaced by Mads Mikkelsen in that. Um, so basically, Andrew Levitas, the director, is saying that he um, has been told that the film was buried. He wrote a letter to MGM that was released or shared with Deadline. Um, he says that uh, the head of acquisitions at MGM told him that the film would not be promoted and that they had decided to bury the film um, and so that it wouldn't come out, yada, yada, yada. I guess, so there's a lot here. I'm not going to read the entire letter that was shared. Um, The interesting part of the letter, I think, is that um, he, the director, Levitas, draws uh, comparison to unethical tactics and unethical uh, steps that corporations take. So the film itself deals with the Chiso or Chiso Corporation um, and sort of their lack of ethics in what happened. Uh, but he's kind of saying that we're also seeing that with MGM by burying a story that needs to be told. Um, very, very interesting to me. Uh, the question here, and we see a lot of back and forth online about the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp situation. Um, and I don't want to necessarily get into that because that's why we have courts of law and, you know, things are laid bare there and we only see what's released in the media. Um, but number one, do you think that they're burying it? And number two, and then being MGM um, and it being the movie, number two, should it matter to a studio when there is a personal issue or personal trouble with a star? From what I read, which this was actually a fascinating article, and I actually read something, which was huge for me. Um, From uh, what I read, uh, it seems like what happened is what happened with a lot of films, where it was, you know, MGM gave it this, uh, I believe it was this um, American Industries, American Industries, uh, you know, and they said this was a play to date, basically saying, which as far as I'm concerned, that means that, you know, it goes to theaters, you also can rent it for 20 bucks or for six bucks probably um, on on same day. So if that's what they're calling bear, well, that's not what they're calling bearing. There's a little bit more, but um, if that's what they're calling bearing, then no, then that date of February got moved. So now since then they have not found another date. That's the part that gets interesting for me. 
that's the part where it seems like they are actually, you know, burying it. They're trying not to deal with this. Like, just let's just get this out of, like, get this out of the way. Because, well, and then it gets tricky because now it's like, you know, they could be complete dicks and say, okay, let's uh, put your film right next to uh, Old and Snake Eyes and uh, <laughs> Stillwater and uh, Space Jam Legacy. And let's see how you do. Like, let's see how it does there. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously that would also be a uh, rough time for them. Um, so do I think they're burying it? Probably. Um, is there a chance that we see this just sort of like come and go on Amazon quickly? No one knows about it. And it's like a $6 thing and no one knows. And yeah, that's what I think is really happening here uh, is that eventually it's going to just be that, which is technically not burying it. We're releasing your film, but it's not at a time that is conducive to uh, get it, getting attention um, for the film. Um there's there's a part that bothers me here where you know MGM is like a corporation doing bad, just like when they uh, poisoned Mercury and killed a lot of people. I'm like, okay, no, 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 MGM. What MGM doing is maybe corrupt and stuff like that. But I think what uh, the uh, the company did, Mercury Poisoning Company, was uh, a lot worse. So it's really difficult to compare right, right. those two things. That that I don't think that was meant to be the case of what they did, but they were closing it on that line, and that got me mad. The last part of this I'll say is you know release the film, um, show it to us. Uh, I think it's a great truth to power, uh, film. That's a story about corruption. Um, I think it's something that, you know, would, we would benefit from. Um, I think, uh, I, before everything, all of this, I thought giant Epp was a shit actor. I'll still probably think he's a shit actor. I'll just sort of look beyond him the way I look beyond, uh, you know, uh, Shia LaBeouf and pieces of a woman. Right. And That's what I was thinking. It. And it's, yeah, it, it, that exact it, situation. Yeah, it's the, it's the exact sort of situation. It's like there's so much art that was great in that um, that may not have been seen if it wasn't for, um, you know, them like, you know, saying like, shut up, you know, keep him out of all of the, um, the giant, keep him out of the uh, commercials. I know that gets a little bit tough. Pretty much try to keep him out of the trailers if you're going to make those. This doesn't seem like something that was huge. This isn't like them trying to table Crimes of Grindelwald 3. Granted, that was a whole other thing where they just recast him, but you know, this, this is an indie sort of movie. This doesn't really seem like something like, you know, you can get it out. It won't cause too many waves. And I, you know, right now it's causing more waves with them trying to bury it. Yeah. I I'm with you there. Um, it, I struggle with this because I feel like this is a film that likely could be an awards contender. And we would see a studio wanting to get it out there as soon as possible when we've seen a lot of awards contenders already be slated for release. We know what films are coming out in October at this point. So if it's going to get a date, especially with, you know, the uh, type of story it's telling, I would expect that it would have had that already. Um, so I'm a little, I don't know. I don't know where they're going with that. The whole situation with an actor doing you know, having his own personal troubles, his or her uh, own personal troubles or their personal troubles, gender neutral, uh, is fascinating to me um, in terms of the responsibility that a studio feels or takes on in dealing with that and shielding the public from the public from it, A, or themselves from any backlash, B. I think we live in a day and age where you're going to get backlash no matter what you do. And I feel like the film has been made. He acted in the film. He got paid for the film. You need to release the film. It's telling an important story. You're not going to bury this film forever. Uh, so part of this for me, I think that there is 
just some anger from the director who probably hasn't heard much. And when he did hear something, it sounds like, according to him, he was told, yeah, it's being buried, essentially, um, which is probably not what you want to hear as a filmmaker. But uh, I'm hoping to see this soon. I'm also hoping that this whole Johnny Depp and Amber Heard situation um, rectifies itself soon, both for their own sakes, um, but also so I can stop reading about people like going off against Amber Heard online or going off against Johnny Depp online. Um, it's more against Heard, which oh yeah, I was going to say against Depp online. Never. <laughs> it's really shocking in uh, that we're having to deal with uh, toxic masculinity. We've never dealt with that before, uh, but that the woman would always be blamed for something and then they would go after female stars. It's really weird. But, um, you know, I... Again, there's courts of law to deal with all those facts there. And having been in courtrooms when conversations like this happen, there's a lot more that we don't know. Uh, so we are not the ones to to judge that. Um, but, you know, it's up to each studio to make a decision. Uh, and here we are. Here we are. We have a bit of breaking have. news. Oh, go. You ready? Yeah. Two things. One, we're getting a Yes Day sequel on Netflix. <laughs> Oh Jesus! What are you stopping <laughs> that for? for a fucking yesterday sequel. The other yeah. one is that the new uh, Disney's Haunted Mansion reboot, I guess it is, um, has finalized its two stars. You ready? Oh no! You're gonna like this. Okay. Okay. I'm, okay. Tiffany Haddish and Lakeith Stanfield. Right. Even that's in a general- combo. A movie with Tiffany Haddish and Lakeith Stanfield. Those are two very different energies. I love that. Yep. I'm automatically intrigued. <laughs> oh, like if no, if they're like going to like a, a library or you know like a um, a Chipotle, like that, like th- those two, like like I'm I want to see them at those places. Okay, where the hell did Chipotle come into this? I was trying to think of like any sort of like place and the first thing i thought of was library and i'm like that doesn't work <laughs> well, there's a library in the mansion i'm sure oh that's true is there a chipotle in the mansion <laughs> that would be amazing wouldn't it <laughs> that would be my best um, yet another movie that we don't need but whatever <laughs> I mean, <laughs> i'm excited for those two to start it that's all the news we have for this week let's talk about the three big new releases this week that we have one jungle cruise in theaters and on disney premiere plus uh disney plus Premier Access. They, we need to get better names for this shit because there's just too many names out there for all these Disney different Plus services. Plus. <laughs> it's not available on Disney Plus. It's available on Disney Plus Plus Theater. Um, Disney Plus Plus Square. <laughs> Stillwater hits theaters on Friday. And The Green Knight, which I didn't talk about earlier, hits theaters on Friday. But please go see The Green Knight. We'll talk about it next week. Um, Sean, I'm sure that will be one that we'll be discussing uh, because it is – I very much enjoyed it. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, hey, that's the end of our podcast this week. What do you think about that, huh? It feels good. It feels good now that like you know I can go on the couch for like – 10 hours as opposed to the usual like three <laughs> before going to bed this early stuff is working out for me i like it yeah hey it's not bad uh we're gonna have to reschedule coming up soon because uh in-person screenings are starting to pop up left and right more well, and more as people are getting back to theaters so <laughs> take as many as you can uh two weekends from now because that's when i'm on the cape and i, I that's a that's a no podcast zone okay i can't necessarily request them so <laughs> that's, that's a good point <laughs> that is a great point sean talk to you soon See ya. As always, thanks for listening. You can follow both Joe and Sean on Instagram at Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies. 
New episodes of the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean are available every Wednesday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be on the lookout for special spoiler pods, where we dive deep into the latest film releases. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time.